0: Minnesota writer and wilderness guide Douglas Wood has about 40 books to his name. His first book, The Best Selling Old Turtle, published in 1992. His new book is called A Wild Path. It's a follow up to his 2017 memoir, Deep Woods, Wild Waters. In A Wild Path, Douglas shares essays on his experiences in the natural world, from his riverside home in central Minnesota to his journeys guiding people through the wilderness. Here's our What We're Reading conversation with Douglas Wood. Your essay toward the wisdom of trees especially resonated with me. You write that several years ago you were feeling... Very low. You went out for a walk one night and came across an old oak tree. You looked up at it and kind of had this moment, this epiphany about life that you describe so well. Um, that that feeling of suddenly knowing. Can you tell us a little more about what we can learn from the wisdom of trees, like you did that night?
1: As I write in that essay, trees are some of my very favorite teachers in the world. I've had some really good teachers with two legs and some with four legs and, and a lot of teachers, but trees especially speak to me, and, and I think they do to many people. What knows more about life and living than a tree who may live to be a thousand or 3000 years old, depending on the species. Even our oak trees here in Minnesota can live hundreds of years in our, in our magnificent white pines and red pines can you live to be three or 400 years of age. To me, that's powerful. And the fact that they that they are rooted and that they have to draw sustenance from the earth reminds me of how we are as well. Um, the fact that, that that in order to become a tree, to look like a tree, to function like a tree, you have to reach upward. What a tree is, is actually a sculpture of the act of, of life reaching for the light. And that was what was so powerful to me that night the, in the situation you described, I realized that, that the beautiful oak tree I was looking at, which had no leaves, it was late November, but because of that i was able to see the sculpture itself the tracery of the branches against the starlight and in that moment i knew that part of the answer to my searching and, and the reason i was i was low was was that I, I needed to understand this idea of reaching for the light whatever that light might be for a tree obvious obviously it's it's the sun the sunlight and yet although the tree reaches for the sunlight it never actually gets there. No tree ever actually makes it to the sun, which is a good thing. But in the act of reaching toward the sunlight, it grows and becomes the form that it's supposed to be. And that was the the epiphany, as you said, that I had that night, that, that in my low time, my depression, and, and I went on and had, had counseling and studied psychology in, 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 in graduate school and other things. But but nothing was really more powerful for me than that moment that night with with the trees. And they remain teachers and friends of mine all these years later.
0: So you just mentioned having sought counseling at some point in your life. We're talking about how we can find solace and wisdom in, in the wilderness. So I'm wondering if you can speak to the therapeutic value of of the wilderness, of being outdoors?
1: Well, in the first essay in the book, which is called Nature Boy, which is about me, I really start way back in my childhood, and I had a lot of difficulties in childhood. I had ADHD, which I've had all my life, but I didn't know until about 10 or 12 years ago. I didn't know that's why I had such trouble in school and couldn't learn to read, couldn't learn math, got in trouble a lot. And after I learned I had ADHD, 10, 15 years ago, I then subsequently learned that I've also had dyslexia all my life, and I didn't know that either. Um, so those are, those things and other things uh, made life kind of difficult for me, as it is for everyone. Nobody has an easy path. That's one of the reasons I named this book A Wild Path, because it's about a, a journey, the journey we all take through life. For me, the natural world became my safe place and my happy place. Um Almost all my earliest memories from being a very young child have to do with nature, being outdoors. And then uh, as I got a little bit older, then I got to go with my family to the north woods of Minnesota. And, and our place was Lake kabatogama which is right up there, just south of Rainy Lake, right on the Canadian border. And now as part of Voyagers National Park. So all my life, that's been my most special, wonderful place. And we now have an island on on Rainy Lake, just north of kabatogama but in any case, as i as I got older and and uh, set off on this career, this self-employed career of writing and doing music and all the things I do, I began seriously doing wilderness guiding. And in guiding uh, these people on 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 canoe trips, some of them five hundred miles long or more, I began to see very clearly that everybody carries scars. everybody has doubts and and fears and anxieties and weaknesses and and where they might think that I was this omniscient guide that knew everything. I knew the case that, that, that wasn't true at all, that, that I had many, many um, weaknesses and, and doubts in my life as well. So in sharing these wilderness trips, I realized that each person on a trip, say we have a group of eight people on a trip. So we have eight different trips is what we have. Everybody's on their own journey. And I began to see that, that, uh, crossing a wide lake, making it into the wind across whitecaps, running a rapids, hiking a difficult cordage trail. All of these are metaphors for life. And the, the act of, of making a home, making a little home each night in the bush, setting it up and having a safe place to sleep that night. When you have a group of eight people and you're out for three weeks, very quickly you realize that the world has, has shrunk. And it's not 6 billion people anymore in the world or whatever it is. It's, it's eight people. Those are all the people in our little wilderness setting that we can see or touch or hear or, or feel. So the world becomes very small and you become attuned to the journey that each person is taking and the lessons they may be learning along the way. So all these and, and many other things are, are things that find their way into my writing in this book.
0: This is what we're reading on KAXE, KBXE. We're talking with Minnesota writer Douglas Wood. His new book is A Wild Path. Doug, in the book, you refer to American wilderness and and environmental writers, Sigurd Olson and Aldo Leopold quite often. Can you talk about what their writing means to you?
1: Yeah, there's one particular chapter in the book called Tramping the Hills with the Holy Trinity, in which I got to go someplace and, um, and spend an entire weekend with Aldo Leopold, John Muir, and Henry David Thrill, even though they've all been dead for many decades. <laughs> and so I leave it that way as kind of a mystery. How can this be happening in the first few pages of the essay? And then I explained that I spent this weekend with, with reenactors, historical reenactors who inhabit each of these personalities. It was a great thing. It was I was so excited to, to, to be able to do that. To, because these guys are good and they really inhabit these personalities. So I really felt like I was spending time with John Muir and, and Henry David Thoreau and Aldo Leopold. So these are three of the most important uh, environmental writers and thinkers of the past 150 years. There are others, of course, Rachel Carson and the man you mentioned, my mentor, Sigurd Olson. Um, and, 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 and in this day and age, Terry Tempest Williams and Barry Lopez and, and others, Annie Dillard. But in any case, I find a lot of inspiration in, in the writing of what I would call the classic environmental writers, the people who really helped us to define a new way of looking at the world, in which we're not just exploiting it for every dollar and cent that we can find, but we're looking to the natural world as our home, as, as the place that supports our life and makes life possible for us, and a realm full of teachers. So uh, Henry David Thoreau was perhaps the first in that lineage back in mid-1800s. And then came John Muir in the late 1800s and early 1900s, and Aldo Leopold in the middle part of of the last century. And each one had a different message, a different style of writing, but very much brothers of the spirit, a, a way of looking at the world in which we find solace and peace and comfort and education and wisdom in our own lives.
0: What do you want readers to get out of A Wild Path?
1: Well, if I wrote it right in the way that I meant to write it, they will laugh out loud in some parts. I don't want people to get the idea from this interview that it's all serious and, and great depth. Some of it is, but some of it's just funny things that happen on the trail. If you're, if you're on the trail for weeks at a time, you know that laughter is always good medicine. Laughter keeps your spirit high and helps those long portage trails be a little bit shorter. So there's a lot of laughter and, and, and funny stories and, and quips and and stuff that take place along the way on my path. But then there are these serious parts, too, where we look at the world with, with serious eyes and, and try and learn what we can and become better human beings. And there's some sad parts, too. So if what people get out of it is just the fullness of a journey and maybe a little inspiration about how they can step out their back door or go for a walk in a park or, or find a listening point, as Sigurd Olson talked about, well then I, I think that would be a good thing.
0: Douglas Wood's new book is A Wild Path. It's what we're reading, I'm Tammy Bavrowski.